I'm excited that you're here today, and, and I'm, I'm calling this a firm foundation. I was uh, in prayer on uh, Friday, maybe, uh, just asking the Lord, what, what are we going to teach today? And, and uh, I began this scripture, Luke chapter 6, verse 46. You can turn your Bibles there. Uh, Luke chapter 6. Uh, you know, there's a few chapters in the Bible that uh, or you know, like it's like the entire chapter has multiple sermons. And I think uh, Luke 6, Luke 7, right in there, there's some there's several uh, things identified in some of these chapters. But we're just going to pull this one part out in verse 46. And, and uh, Jesus is challenging me. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord? And do not do what I say. You know, it's it's interesting. Just in that statement alone, uh, Jesus made that that statement, and and he's challenging the people, and he says, you know, why do you call me Lord and don't put it into practice, or or there's no follow up with that. And uh, he goes on to say, he says, as for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice. I'll show you what they're like. They're like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid that foundation on a rock. When the flood came, the torrent struck that house, but could not shake it because it was well built. Now, you know, that, that house being well built, uh, the uh, NIV reading it that way, he says, he talks about it being well built. And, but the being well built wasn't the thing that made it stand it was the foundation it was laid on. Now, it needed to be well built. I mean, that's a part of that. But it could have been well built without and not had that foundation, not been down to bedrock, down to, to the time established to, uh, to make it solid that it, would have, it wouldn't have held up. You know, I, I started and I forgot. I was going to, I had some pictures of, uh, I was setting a corner post, uh, building some fence, setting a corner post last uh summer sometime. And I, I snapped these pictures with the thought of the sermon illustration because, you know, you look at, I don't know if you, you do this, but uh, being a rancher and, and having miles and miles of fence and, and different things that need to be repaired. And, you know, you tried, I could build a, a half a mile of fence every year for the next, I don't know how many years. And, and then it, by the time we get done almost, you know, it'd be time to rebuild some other. But, uh, but I remember as a kid building fence with my dad and I, and I remember uh, being just a little guy where my, my uh, only job was to drop the five clips at the base of the T-post. And, you know, I wasn't big enough to drive a T-post. I wasn't big enough to run the, you know, attach the clips. I, I wasn't going to be involved in stretching the wire, but I could do that part. And, but I, I remember later on in, in when I was in my twenties uh, and thirties, seeing those fences that we built back then, and they were, they were never had to be repaired, but it was based on that foundation of those corner posts that were built. Now, I remember also the story of, uh, you know, of building a, and for those of you who need a, uh, education on how to set a corner post, uh, you dig a hole big enough where you can get your tamping rod around there. If you're setting a wood post in, in dirt, uh, not concrete, but in dirt, you, you, and you can't fill that. Everybody wants to fill that. Everybody I've ever has had has helped me build fence and set a corner post. They want to fill that dirt up around there and then expect to tamp that in. Well, I, I remember being scolded if you filled up too much, if you put too much. You only want to put about that much in and tamp that down to about like that. You say, well, that's a slow process, but it's a good process. Because I don't care how many, how long you tamp that post. If you fill that completely up, you'll never get that base 
set. And you'll, that post will never be as solid. But if you'll fill that in and pound that down, then, then do that again, you know, fill, fill up about this far and pound it down, then you'll be there here. And then fill a little bit more. And, you get, and as you get closer to the top, you can add more. And, and because you, then you're only compressing that little bit. But you'll never get that base solid unless you spend the time in the beginning. And, and you know, I think about the things with the Word of God. And I, I think about, I love the way uh, Dakota was illustrating the, the different things aside from just give at the box at the back. It was also, where is your heart? It's also hearing the voice of God. It's, uh, there's, there's so many other aspects to us walking out that, that life of God. And, and there's many parts to play. And, and you know what? Sometimes all, the only solution is time. You know, it says that you're going to, the, the man who builds a house digs down to the rock, does the, does the work. It doesn't matter how pretty it is up on top if the foundation is not secure. And so he likens that to someone who hears the word, calls him Lord, but is doing what the, uh, the word of God says. And so, you know, I liken that to that building and that taking that time for that foundation. I remember one time my dad, uh, he, he made the hired hands and, and, uh, I was too little, but I remember the high school boys at workforce and, and one of them wouldn't listen or didn't do it right. And my dad was not very patient. And, uh, he, he made him jerk that thing out of the ground, redig the hole and reset it. Because he would come and check them, and, and if he could move that, if you boy, you better have that sucker solid, because uh, you, you know it was going to have to have to hold. And so he'd make them spend the time to do it right. And and you know what? It's painful. Anybody ever? Does anybody like digging post holes? <laughs> I, and I like digging. I like digging post holes because now I've got a hydraulic post hole digger that goes on my front end loader. I I built out. I'm 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 good with that. I can sit up there and push that hydraulic lever and dig that hole. That's awesome. You know, cleaning it out isn't that big a deal. But I remember digging a few post holes in in the red dirt up there around Nash and and uh, my uncles when uh, in August whenever July when the ground's dry and it's hard as a rock and just you know the whole way and we're setting telephone poles so we had to dig the holes you know huge and no augers it was it was uh, awful is a is a is a terrible thing but you know it's it's painful even just to tamp that post in but if it's done right it's done for a long long time that foundation's secure and so you put all that effort into it. Well, where the walk with our walk with the Word of God is, this was the thing that was challenging me. And, and it goes along with what Dakota was talking about because we, we can ask ourselves, what are we being secure in? You know, there's a lot of unknowns. It doesn't matter. You, there's a lot of questions. Anytime you, you, you have a, a transition of power like we've had or the, the big shift and big changes, uh, there's a lot of things that can go up and down and, and are uncertain and unsecure. But here's the one thing we are secure in. Who are we invested in? Who is our trust in? Where is our foundation? You know what I've watched through all of the years of, of, of Sue and I committing our lives to, to the Lord Jesus and trusting Him is it didn't matter how much we had come in, that there was always enough. There wasn't always a lot of extra, but there was always enough. There was always a way. And you know what? Even in the times where things were, were lean or thin or, or we had to make some big shifts or changes, God walked us through every one of those, through every one of those times. You know, I've, I've told you all the stories of the times where we bought what we shouldn't have bought. And then we're, we're, we got no money left over because we bought that we, we committed to this payment and, and, and how God, when we would repent of that and say, OK, Lord, show me how to fix this problem. He was faithful to lead us into a better way to live. And, and uh, 
That's all part of that. So he says, do what I say. So I, there's a couple of things that, I, that help us to make sure that we have a, a strong foundation. And I, I wrote this down, build your life on hearing and putting it to practice. You know, right there he says, you call me Lord, but you don't do what I say. Now, just in that statement, there's two things I see is there's doing and there's hearing. Because Jesus said, you're not doing what I say. So Jesus is saying something and he says, you don't follow it up by action. See, how many times do we uh, hear, but we don't put action to it? Let's look at Luke chapter four. And uh, well, let, wait a minute. Let's read the rest of that verse right there. Uh, while we're there, we want to read verse 49. It says, but to the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice, he is like a man who built a house on ground without a foundation. The moment, the moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. He, he said that he, he likened the two differences or, or he separated the two instances. Both of them had a torrent. Both of them had, a, had the storm. Both of them had the flood, but one held and one didn't. It was the one who heard the words and put them into practice, listened and obeyed. So that's the first thing, if we're going to have a strong foundation that we need to establish. And, and let's look at this in Luke chapter four, uh, having a hearing ear. You know, it's pretty amazing to me. You could have Jesus standing before you. We, we would all think, right? I mean, us who are, who are, you know, holy and, and, and really good, you know, we're, we're, we're strong. We would be, we would be smarter. You know, if Jesus walked into our lives and, and he's presenting this, I mean, we would have done it right. Right. Okay. Verse 14, he says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the spirit and the news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues and everyone praised him. So remember what Jesus had been baptized by in the river Jordan by John the Baptist. The Holy Spirit came upon him. He was, uh, God called out, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And he went 40 days into the wilderness. And through that time, he went through the temptations. And now he's coming back. And he's, he's coming back into the beginning of his ministry. And, and now he, you know, he's 30 years old. He'd, he'd been around. It wasn't like he just showed, you know, bam, God showed, you know, and no, he, he, he'd been there in this world for 30 years, just being a citizen, just being a person, being a carpenter or helping his dad living a common, fairly common life. I'm sure he still wasn't, uh, it was a little bit exceptional, but at the same time, they didn't recognize him as a son of God. But after that, the power of God, the anointing of God came upon him. And now all of a sudden he's going around and he's doing different things. And, and you notice, uh, this is the news about him. So the words, people are telling stories. It spread throughout the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues and everyone praised him. Now the contrast verse 16, then he went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, and he, it, as is, was his custom, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, a recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor." 
Then he rolled up the scroll, back, uh, rolled the scroll up, back, uh, gave it back to the tenant, and sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, "This day, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing." Now, there's a there's a big contrast in the verses 14, the example of him being out in in the world and him coming back home to Nazareth. And there was a big disconnect because they only saw him as Joe's boy. You fixed a chair for me. I remember one time when you, you know, you're a cabinet maker, you're a carpenter or whatever, whatever carpentry work he did at the time. Uh, he made a table and chairs for my family or whatever. He was common. We watched him play in the dirt. We watched him, you know, grow up as a teenager. We, we you know, it, it was, it was, it was a, a disconnect for them because they were looking at things from an outward appearance. Well, you know what it is. Uh, you know how to be an expert is go 50 miles from home. You know, everybody's an, that's a, everybody's an expert or, you know, you're, you're, you're willing to be received if you're away from home. You know, I had to laugh. Uh, Bill uh, went to school with uh, at least the last two years of, of high school. And I can promise you I was not voted most likely to be a preacher or, or a pastor or, or, or any of that. That, that wasn't in the, the, you know, they could have said a lot of things about me, uh, but that wasn't going to be the thing that they would have expected, uh, even though uh, at the time, well, they just wouldn't have expected that. And, you know, I think Jesus coming back into that time, they're saying, man, we got a problem here. I don't understand or I don't see how that could happen. But see, how many times or how many things in our life do, do we look at the Scripture, we look at the Word of God, or we, or, or we look at this prayer and we ask ourselves, but how could that happen? You know, I, I remember um, just being willing to follow God. And I remember being asked to do things by God, calling me into the ministry or calling me to do different things. And I can just remember going, but God, I can't see that. See, sometimes it's not even you seeing what somebody, what could happen in somebody else's life, but it's what can you see God doing in yours. But if I, I've learned if we'll just hear the Word of God, if we'll hear the Word of God and know who He is, our perspective will change. And, and then we can begin to see what God sees and we can see that perspective. But the first thing we got to be is willing to have ears to hear. Look at that verse in 22. He says, all spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. And then they said, isn't this Joseph's son? You know, it's interesting. They, they said they all spoke well of him. They were all saying, boy, that's, that's good. You know, that's pretty interesting. They were amazed at it. or they, 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 but, then, but then they had that, that hindrance in, isn't this Joseph's son? Isn't this, see, and, and sometimes we let something little like that keep us from having ears to hear, willing to hear. It goes on in verse 23, Jesus said to them, Surely you, you will quote from this proverb to me, Physician, heal yourself, and you'll tell me, do, do here in your hometown what we have heard you do in Capernaum. Truly I tell you that he continued, uh, he continued, No prophet is accepted in his own town. I assure you that there are many widows in Israel in Elijah's time, but the sky was shut for three and a half years, and there was several, uh, severe famine throughout the land. 
Yet Elijah was not sent to any one of them, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon, so somewhere other than Israel. So he's, he's scolding the Israelites, those Jews, those people right there that weren't willing to receive him. He's saying, look, this isn't the first time God has sent his word to those that were outside of the household of, of Israel. But I like this. He goes on in verse 26. Yet Elijah was there, sent to any, was sent to any uh, of them, or was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath. Oh, I read that already. Verse 27. And then there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha, who followed Elijah, the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. And all the people in the synagogue were furious with, with, uh, when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of town, took him to the brow of the hill of the town where it was built in order to throw him off the cliff. But, they walked, but he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. You know, it's amazing what they heard. See, they, they didn't hear Jesus came... Verses 18, 19, to proclaim liberty to the captive, uh, the, the anointing is upon me, you know, the freedom to the prisoners, the, the acceptable year. They didn't, hear, they didn't hear the good news, which was the gospel. All they heard was, you people, and right here in the, un, under the flesh, they got furious because they heard the things that, that weren't important. They focused on everything that wasn't the greatest of attention, and it pulled them away. And what did they want to do? They wanted to, they wanted to kill Jesus. They weren't even going to wait for the cross, <laughs> which they obviously hadn't planned yet. But here they are in the beginning of his ministry. They're ready, they're ready to take and destroy him because all they could hear was the, the words from a wrong perspective instead of the perspective that God needed them to hear it from and God needed them to see it from. They just didn't have ears to hear it's amazing how these other people heard the news. It spread throughout the, the countryside, and everyone was praising him. There's such a contrast there. How many times do we have ears to hear the news? You know, that's the, the challenge. I think that's the, the, where our heart is concerned. Are we willing for God to speak to us the things that, need to be, that we need to hear? You know, we all love to hear it when it's good, when it's easy. We don't like to hear it when it's a, when it's a correction. I don't know about you, but uh, that's the that's the harder part. The second thing is this: is that we got to have to have a strong foundation in our life. Is we got to be willing to put it to practice. We got to be willing to be obedient. You know, he mentioned Naaman the prophet. Uh, turn to Second Kings chapter five. We'll just hit this real Second Kings over in the Old Testament, <clears throat> and uh, this is a I, I refer to this. I don't know, one, fairly often or, or once in a while I, I'd say we don't always read it, but Second uh, Kings, Kings chapter 5, you know, Naaman was a, was a good man. He was a great man. He, he was somebody, and in, in the NIV calls the, uh, Naaman was a commander of the army of, of the king of Aram, and uh, the King James says Syria, but it's the, the depends on the, the naming of that land uh, to the north of Israel. It says he was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to 
Aram or Syria, and he was a, a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Now, now, just to relate this story to you, I mean, he was somebody, right? And he, he, whenever he received or 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 had the the opportunity to be healed, God provided a way for Naaman to be healed, and He sent him to Elisha. And I'm just shortening the amount of reading we're going to have to do. But Naaman was told, he said, if you'll go to the man of God, Elisha, he can heal you of leprosy. Now, uh, it, it was uh, verse 9. So Naaman with his horses and chariot, uh, and chariots, they, he got in his chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to him, go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan and your flesh will be restored and you'll be cleansed. Now that ought to have been good news. I mean, you know, Naaman, he, he shows up and, and he comes in all his glory. He's got his chariots. I mean, he comes in, he's a big deal, right? And he pulls up to the door. Now I'm sure he expected, uh, you know, Elisha to be impressed. And I'm sure he expected Elisha to come running out and, and oh, you know, Naaman, you know, what can I do for you, sir? And none of that happened. And in fact, Elisha didn't even get up from his easy chair. He sent his servant out and told him what to do. But see, here's the deal. The word was coming the same way. A lot of times we have this preconceived idea of how God's going to do something. You know, I saw this one time with uh, and one example that I know of, and there's, there could be many. But a person was praying, and they were asking God for healing. And this is a real situation. You could use a lot of different illustrations, but this person had a certain thing planned, a certain way that they were believing God for healing. And they ended up with the end result of health. But they had to go through surgery. They had to go through chemo. This was a cancer situation. And this person now rejects God in large part because they prayed and didn't receive it the way that they planned. Well, see... Sometimes things don't happen the way we had planned. But see, the, the point was God in the midst of all of that was still like that song we sang at the beginning. God's going to, I'm going to receive a victory. God's going to make a way. Yes. What the enemy meant for evil, he's going to turn to my good. And sometimes the process of all that, there's, God can see things we can't. And there's maybe more good in us going through some things and having the strength and the victory that way than for it to have just been instant. I like instant. I mean, I, that's why I like drive-ups, drive, and that's drive-through food is awesome, especially when the line's short. If the line's long, I may go to a different place if I'm in a hurry, right? I mean, you know, there, there's certain things. We, we want it now, and we don't want to wait. And, and I can tell you, uh, patience was a, is something that has to be learned over time. But why is it so valuable? Because it keeps us or allows us to trust God and stay in His pay, at His pace and stay in, in the step with Him. You know, sometimes things don't happen the way we want them to, but can we still trust God? God's going to turn. Now, I'm not saying every bad thing that doesn't happen. I'm not, I'm not saying that's all from God. But I am saying this. I'm going to trust God regardless. That there's times when things happen uh, quickly and instantly and easy. And he had, notice it says in verse 11, but Naaman went away angry. He got the answer he came for. It just wasn't the way he wanted it to happen. And Naaman went away angry and said, I thought 
that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Now, now, I mean, really, if you really think about that, that's, that's just goofiness. But haven't we all done this? Is, is, is we have this plan for how God's going to do it. I remember, you know, we were talking earlier about finances and, and trust in God where our tithe and offerings are concerned. And, and Dakota was sharing just some of the things God's been relating to him. And, and, and I said, you know, I remember whenever I'd be, we'd need, I mean, there was a great need. And we'd be praying and saying, God, give us more money. And then all of a sudden, God would, you know, nothing had changed and nothing had changed. And then, and then what God did, God would show us another way just through stewardship or some shifting and some changing and some time and some planning. And it prepared us much, much better than just having more money. See, I, and, and I could have sat back and said, well, God, that's not the way I want it. I, I remember one time we were, I was believing God for a boat. And, and we, were, we didn't have any money to be buying a boat. We, we, we could have borrowed money, but that, I didn't want to do that. And, and we did, we were, we were, this was probably, I had two kids. So we, anyway, we were over in Arkansas. We lived right next to a nice bass lake. I mean, uh, Darnell Reservoir, right where the, the, the smokestack or the, from the nuclear plant is, that lake around there. And we lived right there in Russellville. And, and I had, was in the church office every day, nine to four. And so I, had, I could fish in the morning on the way to work. I mean, I drove by three boat ramps between my house and the church. I mean, it was, I mean obviously God wanted me to have a boat. <laughs> And I needed this boat, and I could, I could, I justified all the ways I would minister to men who didn't have boats, and I could take them with me, and I did. I mean, that was that was sincere, but but you know, I had this plan of how God, and and I thought, okay, God, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to believe you. This was the training thing that God taught me how to believe Him for something. The purpose was not to get the thing. The purpose was to develop in me the ability to wait on God to supply something instead of making it happen on my own. So I, I, he took me through this process. We were praying. I was praying. We, Sue wasn't really involved in this prayer. I was just, this was just me. And uh, I'm praying for this boat and, and just believing God, knowing that this is a time where God's changing and shaping me and, and preparing me for other things. And I, I started seeing boats everywhere, you know, around when you're near a, a, a lake like that. And Russellville's right on the edge of the water and there's everybody. I mean, they're pulling boats are everywhere. So I'd drive around, I'd look for boats, and I'd see a boat, and I'd say, oh, well, that was too expensive, and this one's too, you know, that's not what I want. And I, I don't want a crappie rig. I want a bass rig. I want a, you know, foot pedal trolling motor. I want a live well. I want a depth finder. I want to be able to stand on the front of that thing and fish down the bank. You know, I knew exactly what I wanted. But I also knew what I could believe for, and part of that process was allowing me to shape the image of what I needed or, or what I wanted and balancing that with what I needed. I didn't need a 250 horse Merc on the back of it. A 25 was good enough. I mean, you know, there were certain things that I need. Well, here was the process. God's preparing me in, in and through that delay and that change. And, but, but one of the things I'd do is I'd drive around, I'd reason with God, and I'd say, you know what, God, if old so-and-so would give me $1,500, because, you know, there was people walking around, just money falling out of their pockets, it looked like, when you're, when you're young and don't have any money. It's like, these people could surely spare, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm reasoning this in my mind. And then I'm saying, well, you know, I could work here, and I'll save up this money. I can work on Saturdays when I'm off work, and, and I'll save this money, and I'll do this, and I'll do that. And finally one day, um, God just said, why don't you let me do it my way? That's a novel idea, God. 
but God, I can help. I can, I can hurry this process up. And I figured out about a $3,000 boat, $3,500 boat. So, you know, it's not, not any big, huge, fancy thing or anything, just, but a nice boat. Well, it was interesting. God moved on me at, at a time. I had pulled, I'd done some work for somebody. They paid me in cash. I helped a guy with some firewood, he gave me some cash, and I had a $20 bill in my pocket. A $20 bill, I had to hide $20. I mean, it was, it was hard to come by, and it didn't last long. And so I took that $20 back, and I'm asking God, where do I sow this? What do you want me to do with this? This was an offering uh, uh, money over and above our tithe. And I said, what do you want me to do with it? We had a special offering. The pastor, he never said this in the four years I was there. This, I was the associate pastor, the senior pastor. He, he, he led, he said, I want to give, I want to I receive an offering for the tornado victims in Oklahoma City. We were in Arkansas. To, it was when the big tornado went through in like 95, I think it was. And uh, he said, we want to receive an offering. And on Sunday morning, he, and he said, I want you to name your seed, what you're sowing. This is not your tithe. This is your offering over and above that. I want you to sow with the expectation that God's going to provide whatever need it was. And so I said, he never did that again. He never did, but it was, a, it was by the, the and, and I know it was for me. And so I went to grab that $20 and I said, Lord, this is for that boat. And just between me and God, I didn't say it between anybody else. And I gave that. Well, three days later, a man who didn't know I was believing God for a boat, uh, who, one of our head ushers in the church, he, he calls me on, at, at the church and he says, are you in the market for a boat? a bass boat. And I said, well, you know, the wordage threw me because I wasn't in the market for one because I didn't have any money and I wasn't wanting to buy one. But I said, yeah, I'm, I'm believing God for a boat. And he said, good, I got your boat. And I said, oh, really? And I was like, what is it? I mean, I couldn't wait. I was, I, and I said, oh, really? And, and uh, he said, yeah, I got a, a, a bass uh, aluminum bass boat, 16 foot. It's wide. You, it's got a foot pedal, trolling motor, and I'm going to leave on there. I'm a depth finder. I'm going to leave on there. And I'm, I'm getting the light, but I said, I got to, got to, I got to get it all recarpeted with new carpet and, and, uh, and, and new seats and everything. He said, I'm, I'm working on it before I, before. And, and he said, I, I was like, Oh, okay. So, and then I'm thinking dollar signs. And, and then he goes, and I said, well, so how much, how much you wanting for it? He goes, I, I'm not selling it. I'm giving it. And I said, I was on the phone being all spiritual. Well, brother, are you sure you want to? And in reality, I'm going, yes. <laughs> because I, I, God had, had done something in me. But see, I had to work through that process to trust him to give from not with an an attitude of I'm going to give so I can get. It's not that pop machine mentality. It was simply doing it God's way. See, the significance, the amount the offering was at the time was, was pretty significant to us. But even the size of the offering made no matters. I mean, Jesus fed the 5,000 plus women and children with five loaves of two fish. I mean, Jesus didn't need the offering size meant nothing. It was the heart and the change and the transformation that took place in the process of that. I used that boat for about four or five years at, uh, during, during the time I was there. And then when we moved back and then uh, one day I was just praying, I, I wasn't using the boat. I said, God, where can I bless somebody with this boat? And so I ended up giving it away. 
And, and so it was just the type of thing that God had put in our lives for a period of time. But it was such a blessing. But it was also the growth that took place as a result. See, Naaman had a preconceived idea, and it was almost as if, I can't receive if you do it your way, God. i got to have it my way. And see, the, the issue was not how God did it. The issue was the heart of the one wanting to receive. And God was trying to speak that word, but he didn't have ears to hear, and he wasn't willing to obey. And that's because that's that second part of the, uh, if we're going to have a strong foundation in our life, is we have to be willing to hear. And then we have to be also willing to put it into practice or obey. I love this. He, 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 he's all mad because he didn't do it his way. He didn't wave his hand over me. He didn't make a, basically he didn't make a big deal out of, out of me. So I'm not going to receive. And then the wisdom of his helper says, well, his statement was, are there not other rivers of the, any of these rivers, which are hard to pronounce, so I'm just going to, you know, there's three other rivers in, the, in, in our, where we are that are better than this dirty old Jordan River. Why would I want to do it that way? Could I not wash in them and be cleansed? In other words, I still want to do it my way. See, that's what I did. I drove around. I told God, I said, you know, God, if, boy, you know, and there's been other times I've reasoned with God like that. You know, God, if you take out this debt, and, and, and if I can get this paid for, and if I can, act, or Lord, if you give me more money, or if you give me more time, or if you give me, you know, and God's just saying, let's, let's work within what we have. Let me grow you in the areas and the ways that you need to be grown in order to have the end result with blessing. So, because here's the thing, if I would, I've, I've done it the other way. I've bought the thing instead of waiting on God. And then I had the payment. I've told the story about the horse, buying the horse. And then I had no money. By the time I shoed, put shoes on him, fed him, I had no money to go rope. You know, it was like, Sue'd go, sorry, you wanted that horse. You bought it. I went, okay. And I had to repent and let God fix it. So there were other things that were bigger, but those are some of the things. Notice, what, notice the verse 13, Naaman's servant went to him and said, my father, if the prophet had told you to do something, some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you to wash and be cleaned? So he went down and he dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the man of God had told him. And his flesh was restored, became like that of a young boy. You know, isn't it, isn't it interesting how Naaman finally came to his senses, but it took somebody else to speak into his life. I, I think that's what sometimes our spouses or our family or sometimes our kids, uh, they, they kind of communicate to us in a way. It's like, uh, don't you think we could just trust God? Or don't you think that that's fairly simple? Or, or wouldn't it just be easier to, to follow the way God says? Wouldn't it be easier to, in order to, instead of asking the question, how's all this going to, all these market shiftings going to change is just go back to where's my foundation? Where's my treasure? Where's my, where's my heart? Who am I trusting? Am I on that firm foundation? And be willing to do those things. You know, the thing about this example of Naaman's life is, is it could have ended with him being mad. It could have, it could have ended. You, you know, there are tons of churches, and I didn't intend for this to be talking about finance necessarily, using this as an illustration. But, you know, there's tons of churches that go all their life and they never talk about money never talk about finance. They never ask an offering. And why? They're afraid they're going to make somebody mad and they might not come back. 
Oh, I can tell you, like I've told churches all of my life, if you think I'm trying to get in your pocket and get your money, then just keep it there. You don't need it. I don't need it. God doesn't need it. He wants those that are willing to give. And I'm not, again, trying to, I don't work on commission. I, I tell them that sometimes. I don't work on commission. But, you know, here's the thing. If it's to help you, I, I want to be taught. I consider all these things uh, according, just like Naaman, it could have stopped with him being angry and him being unwilling. But then somebody, his servant, came along and said, yeah, if it had been done a different way, you would have done it and you would have gotten the result. So why not just do it and receive it? And uh, he went on and, and obviously he got and received the end. Well, you know, I, I'm probably going to talk about it mostly next week. But uh, there's, there's four factors, and I'm, not gonna, I'm just going to introduce them for next week. There's four factors that make a difference uh, for this life being founded on a rock. And, and one, of the, one of the key things is that we have a heart that's willing to hear. Why did Israel not see Jesus? Why did the religious leaders at least not see Jesus for who he was? Because they, they had hardened hearts. They, they didn't have ears to hear. You know, the biggest thing that we have to learn to do is willing to say, okay, God, I'll hear you. I was, uh, I was talking to my brother-in-law uh, last night, and uh, we were referring back to uh, one of the early houses that Sue and I had, and, and it was the old farmhouse. With the, the, but the, the, I related to him the story of how God was speaking to me in that time. A 20-year-old kid uh, married and couldn't figure out how to live life. But I went to God every morning, and I and I can still, you know, hear the clock ticking on the old the old stove, and I can st hear still hear those things. But it was a time where I had to be willing to hear God. And one of the things that God shaped in me that was the greatest thing, and I've and I, and I, but it it has to continually be tuned on, is that is that my heart willing to hear God, willing to hear Him, and be available to hear Him. As we get ready to close today, and we're going to wrap this up a little bit early, but as I, as I close today, I think that's a big part of, of the whole process. Do we have a, uh, an ear willing to hear? You know, those four things I'll, I'll talk about next week, we'll build on that. But that first thing is, am I willing to hear? Am I willing to humble myself? Am I willing to say, okay, God, I do it this way, but I'll consider yours. I'll, I'll, I'll receive your way. You know, it's, it's like that where salvation's concerned, and it's like that where receiving from God in every other area is concerned. Us just having a willingness to consider God's ways instead of our own. Uh, us being willing to say, God, I'll receive from you. Let's, let's just go before the Lord in prayer today and, and, just, and just ask ourselves that. Lord, uh, is there something in my life, an area of my life, that's not surrendered to you? Or do I have ears that are willing to hear? Am I, is my life built on a foundation that's willing to hear the words of Jesus and willing to apply them? Lord God, I pray that, that as we ask ourselves those questions, that Lord, it, it not just be in the areas of, of salvation or giving Him Sunday morning, but Lord, it'd be, it'd be that willingness to give Him every day, to give Him into, allow Him into every area of our life, every choice, our, our, our free time, our work time, 
our, our goals time, our future planning time. Uh, Father, I just pray and I just ask you to, to build within each one of us a heart that's willing to, to obey. And, and Lord, if there's anybody who's not sure about trusting you, I pray today that you just by, by your Holy Spirit just, just begin to minister that, that confidence and that, that, that you are trustworthy. And Lord God, if there's areas where we're being uh, stubborn, that Lord, all we got to do is say, Lord, today I'm going to give you my heart and allow you to begin to lead, guide, and direct me. Lord God, if there's anybody within the sound of my voice that either watching or sitting here that has not made Jesus Christ Lord of their life, I pray, Father, that you draw them by your Holy Spirit, that they'd surrender their life to you, and that they'd be willing to say, Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. I believe that you are the Son of God and that you've been raised from the dead, and I confess you as Lord. Come into my heart and my life. Save me. Father God, I praise you and I thank you that that begins that new life with you. We give you praise and honor for it in Jesus' name. Amen.